0: It's easy to get lost. This is The Revenue Maze, and I'm Valerie Cobb. Join me as we navigate the halls, dead ends, and U-turns on your path towards upward growth trajectory. The Revenue Maze is sponsored by Revenue North Star, guidance and execution through fractional revenue leadership uncovering hidden revenues, and empowering small business growth through process-driven sales customized to your company environment. Welcome everybody to another episode of The Revenue Maze. I'm Valerie Cobb, and I'm super excited today about this episode. This is an amazing human. She has consulted with 30, count it, 30 of the fortune 500 companies now that is amazing in and of itself she's had over 30 years business experience and on top of that she approaches every challenge with passion and you'll get that through this episode that that's amazing but now here's the crux: she's very humble but i want to say i'm sitting at the feet of a master she's got honors all these amazing things she won't like me saying that but this is true I am sitting with the CEO of Zen Change Marketing. Welcome, Deanne Mora. Thank you so much, Valerie. It's great to be here. I'm glad so much to have you on this show. We always, we're always going to hear about all these wonderful things that you're doing. I want to start the show all the time with um, what the guests are waiting for, which is what is one thing that you can tell the guests that will help them get out of the revenue maze?
1: Well, it's a tough question to nail down to just one thing, of course. (laughs) Um, But if I had to choose one, I think I would say test before you invest. And what do I mean by that? So this could be um, before if you're a, a startup and before you invest in a platform, maybe look at integrating some tools and white labeling and and put it to market to a small uh, test group and see what the responsiveness is. Um, It could be if you're a services business, test a new service on a small group of your clients and see what the responsiveness is so you can continue to improve it in order to make sure that you're really meeting market demand. Because I find that A lot of the times as entrepreneurs, we get very excited about our ideas. I mean, we're, we're by nature, very creative. Uh-huh. And sometimes we've got this whole thing going on in our heads and we haven't actually tested it with real people to see if they will actually spend money on it. And we all know in marketing, the importance of you know test and learn when it comes to advertising campaigns and all of that. But this is sort of another level of making sure that whatever product or service that you go to market with that you've refined it as much as you can before you start putting a lot of money behind it, if that makes sense.
0: It totally makes sense. And um, I guess when I start to think about test it beforehand, you're right with marketing, we do a lot of AB testing and things like that to make sure that we, we capture that. I, I know a lot of entrepreneurs, it's like my, my, neighbor liked the idea, so-and-so liked my idea, all of those things. But give us an example a little bit of, sample size or how you would test that first? Like what, cause that's, that's very open, right? It's like, some people think five people said it's a good idea. Therefore I've tested it. There were, we're moving on.
1: Right. And but it is, and it's more of, you know, I like to think of it more like a mindset than a specific algorithm. So taking a, like completely out of the context of business, let me, you know, you were talking about in the intro about my fortune 500 experience. And one of the things that Um, that happens a lot when you work in consulting for a big firm is you move around a lot. And so I got relocated a ton of times and back in the day, I'm not exactly sure how things work today because it's been a while, but <laughs> back in the day, they paid for everything when it came to your relocation, um, right yeah. down to any of the, the real estate transaction costs. So it was kind of financially in your best interest to, if you were moving from one city to another, to sell your house in one city, buy it in, the, in another, and then the company would basically pay for any out-of-pocket, which was great. But what would happen to me a lot anyway, because I was moving sight unseen to a number of different cities, is I would tour around with a realtor and rely on their expertise, find something, think, yeah, this is nice, and buy it. And then invariably, I would move in and a few months later think yeah but there was this other really cute neighborhood that i kind of would have wished that i had known about and maybe bought there instead so that's kind of more what i'm thinking in terms of business um of you know if you have an idea um you know look to do things like maybe um, you know, maybe bring on contractors to test out delivery before you actually hire a whole team, or um, you know, perhaps look to partner with other business professionals to deliver something and and white label that um, together. So it's it's really the idea of how can I vary cost effectively. I mean, it's it's lean thinking in a, in a, a nutshell. It's you know, how can I very cost effectively bring my idea to market, test it refine it, make sure that I'm heading down the right path and that people are genuinely as passionate about it as I am in my head um, and then you can look at putting some money and some marketing behind it.
0: yeah I, I love the analogy because I think we've all felt that you know um, I know you said it's been a while and yeah they 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 did they used to relocate you and then yeah you end up in the neighborhood and you were like, gosh, I wish I would have taken some time because this is a big investment. <laughs> and I've done that myself. I, th- I mean, we talked earlier about me renting right now because I'm building a house and that was the product of that. And hopefully this three to four years <laughs> gets me in the place that I really want to finalize living in for
1: the rest of my life because I've moved 20 times. But well, and, that's, and that's a great example of You would not, had you been living at home and with your parents and then immediately said i'm going to build a house you wouldn't have a clue really as to what the best layout for you would be what the so you really need to go out and and test that and in your case you would have tested it by renting and living in other places and realizing you know okay i want a kitchen that does this i want this type of a layout Uh, It's the same in business. It's really about, you know, making sure, you know, we we get probably as entrepreneurs, I don't know, like new ideas every day, every week, it kind of (laughs) depends on the person. And, you know, I mean, if you have a limitless source of capital, then, hey, you know, put those all out there and see. But if you don't, then, you know, part of that testing is, you know, maybe uh, brainstorming the idea with, with your team or with some people who are close to you. But then ultimately, if you're going to put it out to a small group of clients or customers, then, you know, find a way to deliver something um, in a in a scaled down model so that you can get that feedback before you've put a ton of money into something.
0: Yeah. Um, in the product development haunts, you know, you'd forecast five years out to see where you're going as just the foundation to see if it was even worth doing. Right. And then secondly, then you start your peer advisory summits and bring them in and customers in and make sure um, actually you start with peer advisory summits and stuff to gain capture that kind of stuff after you get a thread from that. And then, then you do, you bring in peer advisories to make sure that you're kind of right. You know, (laughs) I mean, sorry, I didn't say peer, I meant um, just, core groups to test it. Like in healthcare, we call it clinical trials, but in, uh, other companies, you call it just trials, customer trials or whatever. And before you, you actually launch off into your launch. And it is, first of all, I think sometimes when we get in the bootstrapping mindset, we're not losing money, but we are, we're losing whatever, took the place of your value of your time right <laughs> yeah,
1: there is, and look i think we've all learned especially <laughs> through covid the value time is your most valuable asset um and so if you're spending too much time going down paths that are not going to be fruitful then that becomes really costly if nothing else if you the opportunity cost of what your time could have potentially generated so if you think about you know one of my favorite marketers seth godin i mean his one of his key principles is really the product is the marketing. If your product is that good, if your service is that good, then you shouldn't really need to put enormous amounts of marketing spend behind it. So really take a close look at how can you differentiate your service? How can you differentiate your product? So that if you put it up against your competitors and remember your competitors are not just a direct, I, I'm offering the same service or I'm offering the same product as you. It's like what else fills that need? So a lot of times I'll talk to entrepreneurs and they'll say, Oh, I've got this really cool idea and it has no competition. Well, it does because something else is is filling that need perhaps in a different way. Maybe not well today, but it's <laughs> it's filling it. If people have a need, they're figuring out a way to get it done. And maybe it's not as elegant as what you have in mind, but, you know, they're getting it done. So your competition could be, I'm going to do it myself. Um, Your competition could be, I have to buy these three things because there isn't one thing that does what I need, but those are still forms of competition. So it's, you know, it's all of that upfront, testing and planning and thinking and analysis that the more of that, that you do, the less you're going to end up in a cash strap position later on, because you underestimated what it would take to bring something to market.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Cause there's the Uber taxi lift model, you know, what are other people doing besides Uber Lyft, and taxi? They could be walking from A to B. It's not efficient, but that's what they can do because all it is is transportation, right? And when you're you've you've worked with big sales teams, and um, when you're trying to train reps to realize that it's like the light bulb goes off. Oh, that's that's a competitor too. <laughs> you
1: know? Yeah, because yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, you're not you're not selling stuff; you're selling a solution to yeah. a problem. And if the problem that you think is there is not actually um, recognized in the minds of enough people, then you don't have a viable product or service. Um, And if your product or service doesn't meet that need in a way where people truly see enough value to justify whatever you want to charge for it, then it's also not viable. So you can put all the marketing money in the world behind it. And maybe you'll get Initial traction, but you know, if you don't get referrals or repeat business, however your model is set up, then you know you're not going to have the longevity as a business that you need. So it's all of that upfront planning and strategy is really going to make the difference. And that, that's challenging for a lot of entrepreneurs because you have an idea, you want to put it out tomorrow. And that is, <laughs> yeah, you know, one of the nice things about having a, a smaller enterprise, whether it's a you know a small business or a startup. Is that you don't have 25 layers of corporate bureaucracy where you have to run it up the flagpole and get a bunch of people to weigh in and approve? That, sure. you know, sure. if you're the, the founder and you like it, I mean, in theory, if you've got the capital, you can just do it. But should you? That's really the thing is, you know, should the, you? Yes. kind of market <laughs> is a factor for sure. But should you really push out whatever you have in mind? You know, so surround yourself with. With experts and people who can really test your thinking before you, you start to spend that money.
0: Well, and that's, that's the beginnings of the marketing message too, right? Cause if you really do have that, then you uncover all the differentiators while you're doing that, right? You're testing the market, you're finding what their yeah. voice is. You're, you're doing all those things. And we know with the, with the small businesses that a lot of times, They have a great success from a couple of neighbors or people down the road or whatever. But I loved what you said when you said enough people as well, right? So the analysis of what is the market share out there that you are expecting to capture, because it's not good enough to have 10 people buy the product, unless, of course, the product is 1.5 million each and you have
1: 20% net margin. (laughs) (laughs) that's that's not that's not everyone's product or service though so
0: oh we would just love it right oh here you go and everybody's just gonna buy that and that also limits your your possibilities as well but i love it because you know it's it's interesting on this show because there are just all these cool little nuggets that people say that just capture the essence of what you're, what you're trying to convey to the rest of the audience, which is amazing, right? Enough people, not that there is demand, but enough demand for what you're doing.
1: And the risk of, so a lot of times, again, when I'm talking to entrepreneurs, I'll hear something, you know, I'll ask them, you know, who is your target audience? And they'll say, it's Gen Z. Well, okay. That's... (laughs) That's pretty broad. That's a big, uh, that's a, uh, a, a, a TAM. <laughs> and that's, you know, that's, that's another risk is, you know, the broader that you go, then, you know, you're, you're that much less attractive. So if you're really looking to solve the needs of a target audience, you really need to get inside the heads of your target audience, which means you need to define them perhaps more narrowly than you might expect, because you need to understand, you know, what are their emotional buying triggers? Like what is going to make them, you know, maybe you've got something that's really cool, but what's going to make somebody actually um, take out their credit card and buy it? And, you know, so, so there's this, and sometimes we take out our credit card and we buy, you know, crazy stuff that we really don't need, but it's because it fulfilled an emotional need for us. You know, it's, it's made us feel cool. It made us feel interesting. It made us feel smart. It made us feel funny, you know, whatever the, that emotional need that it fulfilled. And those are perfectly valid. So it's not like you necessarily have to solve world hunger to launch a business. But you do need to understand your target audience in sufficient detail to be able to identify how are you going to meet that need. And then that comes out in, in your story. So how you're describing your product and service, the words you use, the imagery you use, all of that is marketing and the more you understand who you're selling to then the more that message is going to resonate because you know realistically these days if you launch a website somebody's going to go to your website you've got 3 seconds to capture their attention mm-hmm. to figure out whether they're going to scroll or they're going to be gone and then if they do decide to hang out for a couple more seconds and scroll then whatever it is that you're going to to tell them has to be compelling enough that they look at that message and go, oh, you get me. And this is something that, that really will solve a problem that I have. So how do you know, how can you make someone feel like you get me unless you really understand that target persona? And you could have multiple personas, but your message needs to be very clearly directed at them.
0: Yeah, I mean, we... <sighs> So we talk about even just like cultural, I think Wendy Pease was on the podcast and we were talking about the cultural dialect or language within that to capture who you're talking to. So she she does a lot of um, translation services and she was talking about Google Translate versus for marketing, Google Translate versus actually translation uh, efforts. And we'd always... You know, what, what flies in the UK doesn't fly even in Australia or here, right? We use different terms, everything we calendar, they diary, we do, you know, and, and people buy from people they like, right. And part of that getting over the 20 to 50 points of familiarity means that they won't even get past the first point of familiarity if you aren't speaking their language and I'm not talking English, French, whatever. And I know you're, you speak tons of languages, but the reality is what you're saying is exactly right. People want to feel at home when they hit your website, they want to feel at home when they talk to a sales rep, they want to feel like they are unique and human, not a number. Mm-hmm. Right. And yeah, kind of I love awesome. that. That's awesome. Yeah,
1: hundred percent, and all that. Again, that's part of your strategy, right? Yeah. So, yeah. you know, if you just because you think what you're developing is cool, you may not be your entire target audience. So, you know, and that's something else to you know keep in mind that when you're asking people what they think, they might not be your target audience either. So, you know, in some cases, you have to take their feedback sometimes with a grain of salt because. Yes. <laughs> you know, maybe they don't get your target audience and you do, and that's perfectly fine. But the more that you understand them, the better. So going through that upfront strategy exercise is, is really, really, really critical.
0: I am curious, Deanne, what, how long do you just, let's say it's like a a product that they're going to go to launch and maybe it's a million dollars a year at first or whatever. And I know it's a broad category, but I think that also people underestimate the time it takes to build a strategy. What in your estimation is, is how long it's going to take to build that strategy? Cause first you have to have the strategy, then you got to go to the people and do all the questioning and all of that. How long does that usually take in your experience?
1: Well, I mean, you know, it's one of those really big um, consulting terms of it depends. Yeah, But, <laughs> it, but it really does. I mean, you know, so part of um, part of the, the time really depends on how much knowledge and um, information is already in the heads of the people who are working on your team. So this is where, you know, a lot of times if you know, if I'm working with a startup, we'll start in with a workshop with them and we'll go through, we'll bring those, um, those leaders together. Um, and we basically try to get out from them um, you know, what they think of the target audience and the strategy and the key elements of the message and positioning against competitors and all of those things that can then help you to build out that roadmap of what needs to happen next. So in some cases, depending on the scale of what you're doing, you may have enough knowledge in the room. Um, In other cases, you don't. Uh, And Mm -hmm. it's in those cases, you don't, where then the it depends part is, okay, how am I going to go and get that information? You know, am I doing, am I doing research? Am I doing, um, you know, am I bringing in some potential uh, clients or customers? Am I? You know, maybe I'm building a platform, and I'm actually going to partner with a couple of of customers to build that platform and make some sort of a deal with them, so that in exchange for their time and helping me to refine what it is that I'm creating, that you know, maybe they get it for free for the first year or whatever the the particular um, solution is, but. So, you know, in cases like that, you could actually start developing fairly quickly if you have that partner that you could develop with, Um, you know, one of the large corporate companies that I worked with many years ago did that every single time they had a release of their software. It was a business Mm -hmm. intelligence software. Um, I mean, they would partner with a client and that client would help fund, that release because it was in their best interest. They knew that they were going to very quickly get the benefits, and they also could kind of shape it the way that made sense. The balance, of course, is you can't shape it so much in the direction of one client that it's not marketable for everybody. But you know that can be um, a viable strategy that would allow you to, to get to market more quickly. Um, mm. Or you could look at breaking it down into pieces. I'm a you know I'm a big fan of that. Um, is you know how can you take Uh, how can you phase out what it is that you're trying to launch so that maybe you can start actually generating revenue sooner from the first piece of whatever that solution is um, and use that to help fund the Mm -hmm. subsequent phases. So maybe it doesn't, you know, that old expression about, you know, perfect is the enemy of the good. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't always have to be a hundred percent Perfect. I mean, it can't be crap or it's, it's going to, um, you know, tarnish your reputation. Um, but, you know, there are people who are excited to get in on a beta of something yes, um, if yeah. the benefits are there. So that's that's always an option. So there's, you know, I hate to do that. It depends, but there's so many variables in terms of the time. It could be, you know, weeks to months to years, depending on on what the groundwork is that you have to put in place it was a broad question. Actually, it was probably a dumb
0: question on my part because it also depends on the industry. It mm-hmm. also, you know, cause when I, I started how long the, is it going to take to bring a new drug to market? That's yeah, the, the that regulatory could be
1: layer. Years. So that's a whole other question. Yeah.
0: That's a whole other <laughs> question. I, I think the, the thing I was trying to point out a little bit is a lot of people underestimate the strategy portion and how, how much time it takes to do that, right? So in software and some of those things, that's going to be faster than heavy equipment. That's going to be faster than Volvo developing a car, right? I, we did a product launch in heavy equipment and everybody was like, wow, that's so fast. And it was two and a half years. Right. And so, um, but the strategy portion itself took just the strategy of how we were going to even test the market took uh, a year, right. Building it the right way, of course, we had other product lines that we were working on as well. So I I couldn't tell you which one, but software, sometimes you can turn them very quickly, but it's still not overnight, right? It's still going to take time. And those who don't map out the strategy, the things that you have step by step, this is what we're going to do. This is what says that this is accepted, whether you're using stage gate processes or whatever you're trying to do. Right. Um, if they don't map it out properly, then they waste time too on top of it. And that's, I, I was just trying to reinforce what you were saying with it and make sure that people understand that this is not a day usually. No, no. I mean it's look, I mean it
1: it could be a day if it's you're launching a service, all the people are already in your company that would be able to deliver it and all the minds are already in the room and you just need to, you know, basically bring everybody together and you know somebody's in advance of that done some research and you kind of pull it all together and crank it out. So I mean there's there are some quick turn things you can do, but again, you know, so many, so many it depends. But you know, your point about the you know, the cost of making mistakes is, is very well taken. Because if you yeah. think of strategy as a series of paths, you can go as far as you want down any given path, but the further you go, the more expensive it is to back up and then go <laughs> down another path. So, you know, that time up front, as frustrating as it can feel, can save you a lot of time and money of heading down the wrong path. And, sure. you know, I think, um, I think entrepreneurs in particular are, you know, often when I talk to other leaders, they're like, you know, why is it that I have to make all the mistakes first? And it does feel that way a lot of the times that you know yeah. sometimes you you know you get these ideas because entrepreneurs are are often on the leading edge, sometimes the bleeding edge of some things <laughs> the and bleeding edge. So I love that <laughs> I mean it, it, it's un, it's untested ground. And so you know, you get this great idea and you start going, and um you know it it just the the cost of going down that wrong path can be significant, but it's not like there's you know, a hundred other companies who've done exactly the same thing before that you can use that as, as guidance. So that's again, where I think surrounding yourself with, um, with smart minds so that, you know, you can at least, um, kind of intellectually model those different strategies, um, and get that feedback I think is, is really helpful.
0: I love that. Now it's, it's great advice to the listeners. How did you get, to all this, I mean, 30 of the fortune 500s, now you're doing Zen change marketing. And I, I'm just trying to figure out, was this just kind of led you down this road? What, what you're very passionate about it. And we we get that and it is solving challenges. So let me let the listeners know how you kind of got here.
1: Well, it was a. I guess it was a little bit of a winding path. Um, I mean, I you know, going into corporate America, doing consulting, getting to see the world, and um, and just engage with leaders from all different cultures. I think was just incredibly. It's you, you can't get that kind of knowledge in school. I mean, I I you know, I have the the. Business undergrad at an MBA, but it, it didn't. I it couldn't possibly have taught me all that I actually <laughs> learned in the field. Um, and you know, you ask, you ask about some of the. Yeah, we're not talking about age. Exactly. I'm like, I started when I was ten, but you're you're not going to get that kind of information from from a textbook or even from talking to you know educators who've who've been there. I mean, some things you just have to have to do. You know, I talk about making mistakes because even working with Fortune 500 companies, I mean, they make they make a lot of mistakes. Yes. They head down the <laughs> wrong path more often than than you might expect. And going through some of those experiences and just feeling what that feels like is incredibly educational. Um, and it you know it was a wonderful experience I you know I really um, I really don't regret a moment of it. Um, you know ironically when I first, uh, was in my undergrad, I was uh, tapped by the, uh, one of the professors in the business school to lead the small business consulting program. Oh. And this was a really interesting program where um, we would basically deliver consulting services for free for um, little um, entrepreneurs in, in the area. And it was some of the most fun that I think I've had, um, you know, it was everything from somebody showing up with a, you know, you'd love this with a shoebox full of receipts. And they, <laughs> you know, they kind of need help with getting their books together and figuring out their finances to somebody who they need help with a marketing plan. Um, you know, they need some financial um, input. I mean, just all sorts of things that, that we would do for them. And it was really a lot of fun. Um, so that was, you know, I kind of tucked that away and then went off and, um, and did my, my stint in corporate, which was rather lengthy, but, you know, at some point, um, you really start to, you know, I was, I was traveling all over the world. Um, I was, you know, at the point where I had a, I had a young daughter, I was away from her all week and I thought, you know, I did not purposely choose to, um, be away from my daughter. I'm trying to, you know, raise her and be with her and enjoy her. Um, and, you know, unfortunately I know this is going to sound very cliche, but I decided, you know what, I need, I need to do something, um, more local. And at the same time, I also wanted to make sure that whatever I was doing, that I had more impact because sometimes when you're, you know, when you're in a working in a large corporation, it's hard to turn big ships around. It yeah. just, it takes time. Um, and there was so many times where, you know, I would just see what needed to be done. And, you know, you talk to, to clients and you, you knew what needed to be done, but it was, there was just so many layers of process and control in order to make those changes that it just, it gets a little frustrating after a while. And so I thought, you know, I think what I would like to do, I've seen things work at scale. I want to now take that experience, and I'm going to launch something where I can help other entrepreneurs to scale, um, use that that expertise, but also do it in a way where um, I can be more connected directly to to make those changes. Mm -hmm. Um, And that is one of the the beautiful things I think about startups and, and small business is that you know, you're, if you're the owner, you can make the change. If you're, you know, maybe you, maybe you're a startup and you have investors that you need to consult with, but typically if you've chosen the right, um, the right investors, the right advisory board, they're going to have a mind for being nimble and that's really the whole purpose. And so, you know, you're, you're, you're going to be able to make those changes and, you know, nibble away at the market share of those big companies that just couldn't get there in time. Um, I mean, one of the companies that I worked for, um, you know, back in the day, a technology company, um, we were actually trying to um, do business with one particular area of the federal government of, uh, of Canada, which is where I, I'm originally from. Oh,
0: okay. And
1: just being with it, like a, having such a large company that um, had so many layers of costs that had to go into every all of our pricing, because everyone, you know, you kind of peanut butter the the, um, the corporate overhead um, just made us not competitive for this particular segment and so um, you know I was part of an organization that actually spun off from that company behaved as a funded um, startup and was able to then go and get those contracts um, okay. so just the, the the difference of having that nimble structure really makes, Um, makes a lot of um, a lot of difference in terms of what you're able to accomplish. And honestly, it's a lot more fun. So (laughs) I'm I'm enjoying myself more now, I think, than than I did then.
0: Yeah, making the difference. It's it's kind of what some of us thrive for, especially in the environment that workers are in now. A lot of them are complaining because they feel like they're not making a difference. The whole cultural Turnarounds, right? And, Mm -hmm. you know, I have daughters that, you know, they want to be passionate about what they're doing. And if they don't see enough, I mean, everybody, if you don't see, it doesn't mean that you want to be rewarded openly, but you want to feel like you're helping somehow, right? And making that difference versus walk through the door do the same thing every single day. I mean, you see the uprise in the work from anywhere groups. You see the uprise in the fractional markets because of it. Um, You just see a lot of people wanting to make a difference in something. I think that that's what's kind of going on even with the onslaught of social media. Yeah, we see all the political environments across the globe now that we didn't see before. But at the same token, we have also, um, seen in globalization, what people really want to do, how they work, why they want to work that way. Right. And so with what you're doing, it, it totally makes sense. And now that you say Canada, I was like, I know, I know you speak, let's see. Portuguese, it was it, or did I get it wrong already? No, that's that's right. And French. Yeah. Yeah. How did I mean? Yeah. So was that because you grew up in Canada and you were close to all the, the languages or? Did yeah, you... I mean, I,
1: I, I worked in French for a while in, in Canada. Um, okay. And so that was where that came from. And then, you know, did a lot of traveling in um, in Latin America. And my husband is Brazilian. So there's a oh. connection there. So, um, but it's interesting though, getting back to what you're saying on, yeah. you know, you're talking yeah. about the great resignation and the kind of the, the whole wave of, of people seeking meaning in their work, there's a very important message there, I think, for entrepreneurs in terms of how you describe your business and and how you run your business. So, um, you know, there's just some things like obviously people want to either work from home or they want a hybrid model now. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's something that, you know, we need to accommodate Um, and even more creative um, models. So we switched um, at ZenChange to a four-day compressed work week because that's something that um, the team felt like they could be more productive if they had that extra um, day off, and you know, I think it's been a great move for us as well. Um, you know, and we're all virtual. Um, you know, we were virtual and on Zoom before Zoom was cool. I like to say, but um, <laughs> but I mean, we've we've seen some shifts, and so you know, if you're um, you know if you're running a business, you really need to think about you know how am I describing what i do what what our company offers um, in a way that you know that my my target audience is going to resonate with knowing that they're looking for meaning they want to make a difference people are really thinking about um, you know where they are spending their money and whether that's the type of company that they want to support so you know in some cases in a lot of cases it's not always all about price Um, you know, it's about, it's about impact. It's about meaning. And so, you know, I mean, I like to think of, of our company as being like the wind beneath the wings of, um, of businesses that are trying to make a difference in the world. And, you know, you could be an attorney making a difference in the world. You know, you could be helping people in that regard, but doing something that is doing good um, and having that choice. And I think that's one of the other beautiful things about, um, about having your own business is that you get to choose who you work with. It may not feel that way at the beginning when you're first starting and you're you know, desperate for revenue, but you, know, you will reach a point where you can choose the, the clients that you want to work with. Um, and if they don't have similar values that you support, you can say no. And, you know, that makes a difference also to your team, knowing, you know, who they get to work with um, as clients. So there's, you know, that whole aspect of meaning and, you know, giving back and being genuine and having a message and telling your story, those are are critically important pieces to your marketing strategy these days. And I think we've seen that um, escalate even more since COVID, where a lot of people have really done this. Soul-searching reflection of what do I want to do for a living, or you know, how do I want to live my life? And you know, I mean, that's why we're seeing, I think, so much um, so much of a shift happening um, in the workforce, and that's being reflected as well in um, in the economics of just how people are want to spend their disposable income as well. So, also really good factors, and I'm going back to the the product or the service is. Is the most important part of your marketing. Um, that is a very important element as well.
0: Yeah, that's that's amazing. We we lived, we worked from anywhere in 2004 from the Cayman Islands, where it was a bit before all of this. But um, we did homeschooling through K twelve um, through the state of California at the time, and we did a lot of things that they were doing in COVID now back then, you know, and I remember how challenging it was. And I was, uh, talking to John from work from anywhere, that whole group. I don't know if you're a member of that, but, uh, might be a great group, but, um, you know, we were talking about how to his, his whole thing is about, tax treatment in the multiple companies because you're working from anywhere. Right. And so when you said that there was, you know, it's not always about price. You're right. It's about the trade off. Sometimes you actually earn more because you've done, you're not driving your car. Um, you're not, uh, stressing out. So yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And and even health benefits, uh, you know, I was posting on Michelle Lederman's, uh, she wrote the connectors advantage. I saw that you are, associated with BNI and stuff like that. And, um, just the health benefits for some of the things, if you can connect, but be in your own space and be, you know, it just seems like a a great way to go. And I applaud that you guys have been doing that since before zoom is a thing. I love that somebody, a fellow sister (laughs) uses that term, right? Because you've lived it, you've walked it. Right. And I think that that's, that's super important for for this new regime that's coming through. I think the Great Resignation is being addressed, but not at the same time. I think that a lot of um, people are burying their heads and just going, "Well, why are we having these shortages? You know, why are we having?" And really, it is it is the cultural shift that we need to be working on, and not so much, um, well obviously I'm opinionated, but no, I mean,
1: it's the relatability too. I mean, I think, yeah. um, you know, not to overly generalize, but people who grew up in my generation at the time, you tended to work for um, decades for the same company. Um, you worked your butt off. You didn't <laughs> ask for more. You were looking for, um, you know, you really wanted to show your company what you could do, what you could accomplish. And you just put your whole heart and soul into your career mm-hmm, and often sacrificed your personal life, um, as a result. And that's just not how things are, but people, my age are the people who are leading in corporate America right now. And so there's, there's that relatability aspect of, you know, and it's always easy and very cliche to say, oh, the young generation, but it, it's, <laughs> it I, always know, I happens. Think there's a, <laughs> I know. It's it's always going to be different. I mean, at some point, somebody looked at us that way, too. But, you know, I think there's some, it actually is a really positive movement in terms of social change. I love Seeing what today's um, you know younger generations are doing and what they're thinking and what they're willing to to speak out about and what they're willing to fight for it's it's they're way gutsier I think than we ever were and I'm I could not be more excited to see what they're able to accomplish as they rise into the leadership ranks. So, you know, I, you know, for any leaders out there who are feeling like, Oh, the great resignation, it's going to go away or that, you know, <laughs> why, why can't people just, you know, suck it up and, and, you know, go get, <laughs> just go get a regular job. Yeah. I mean, time to open your eyes. And I actually think there's some, there are some really good things coming as a result of the the fire in the belly that, that these um, you know, today's younger people, have um, And, you know, just kind of one other note on marketing when it comes to that is, you know, think about the think about that generation and how your products and services are going to evolve to meet the needs of that generation, because even if they're not the direct consumers of whatever it is that you're selling today you can better believe that they are very strong influencers um, because they're, you know, their families are listening to them. Um, You know, other people who might be a little bit older are listening to them and they are very quickly going to grow into being your customer. So what are you doing to meet them where they want to be?
0: Yeah. And that becomes part of the strategy that you were talking about to begin with, who is, you know who will that be in the next five years? Who will that be in three? Who, you know, that kind of thing. Um, so Deanne, I love everything that you've been saying, and this has been so engaging. I know that you have got to have a passion outside of business. So <laughs> what do you, what, what, what do you do for fun? Just, just kind of,
1: you know, well, I got a COVID puppy. <laughs> 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 we now have puppies named COVID. as, as okay. many did. <laughs> so, so she is uh, she's kind of a, she's a lot of fun. Uh, you know, love hanging out with my family and watching movies, and uh, you know, going to the beach. I, I live in Miami, so you know yeah. the, the the sun and the pool and the beach are kind of a big part of our lifestyle, and and so all those uh, all that the, our wonderful city has to offer are are also uh, kind of exciting pastimes for us. Sure.
0: Sure. Are you a scuba diver out there? Are you on your home? Oh, my scuba way? diving days
1: are, oh my goodness. I have not, I have not done scuba diving in <laughs> years. Maybe I'll get back to it someday. But <laughs> <laughs> well, I, yeah,
0: it's been about six years for myself, but that's, I, I love that part of the world because of the scuba diving and then the jump, the hop and jump from Miami to any of those islands out there that give you all the, Oh, just the warm water. I'm out of Coeur d'Alene and Coeur d'Alene right now. And yeah, it's wonderful in the summertime and everything, but the lakes and the lakes are massive. So it feels like oceans and we're surrounded by them and it's, it's lovely, but they're like 50 degrees. <laughs>
1: yeah, I remember, Hey, I grew up swimming in very cold Ontario lakes, So I totally get it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly and i it's the
0: same with the pacific ocean i i go oh my gosh how did i do that when i was younger but i i, I pine for your for your ocean temperatures
1: and your <laughs> all that kind of fun stuff
0: and like then i saw
1: my canadian friends and family who ask like oh they tell us like oh well you get to live in miami i'm like life is about choices <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> it's about choices you come and go you
0: can you can make that decision especially we're talking work from anywhere right
1: (laughs) right why why can't you work from a beach
0: (laughs) exactly there's got to be some product uh, involved with that I don't know what it is but (laughs) I just love it well The group would love to know how to get a hold of you, ask you questions, you know, those types of things. So, what is one place? Obviously, we'll post on the podcast some of your other places, but what is the best place for them to be able to reach you?
1: You know, I would reach out to me on LinkedIn. Um, You can message me there. It's uh, Diane Mora, D I A N E M O U R A, or you can catch me on Instagram at Marketing Strategy Gal.
0: Okay, that's awesome. And, and remember, it's Diane, but it's spelled the US Diane, right? So that people can get that. Okay, because I don't know, maybe that's a whole nother topic about the French language and so all those things. Someday, version two. That version two. Yeah, anyway, that's awesome. So, anyways, thank you so much, Diane, for being on the show. And thank you to all the guests who are listening at this time where if you like it, um, like it on the podcast, like it on LinkedIn, um, show uh, Deanne your love of the podcast. And yeah, it's just been exciting. Thank you again, Deanne. Thank you, Valerie. It's been fun. (laughs) Thank you all for joining another great episode. For show notes, links, and resources, visit RevenueMaze.com. And never forget, you are why.